The Bloom Podcast about bioeconomy. Welcome to the Bloom Podcast. Bloom is a European project aiming at raising awareness and debating on the potential of bioeconomy. My name is Juliet Chank, and for this episode, I will interview Anna Maria Fleetwood from Sweden, who is not only expert in science communication, but also participated in various projects in the field of environmental awareness, sustainable society and bioeconomy. Hello, Anna Maria, and thank you for coming. Thank you. Bioeconomy is a new and still developing concept, and one of the big challenges is science communication. I would like to start by asking you about your personal experience. Later on, we'll talk about the aspects of science communication related to bioeconomy and new innovations, as well as any challenges you may have faced. Anna Maria, uh, tell me about your personal experience with uh, science communication in the field of bioeconomy or how your experience with science communication is and how your experience with bioeconomy is or if they merge together at some point of your career? <laughs> uh, well, they have to match mm -hmm. uh, because we had to communicate and we had to reach out and we had to get civil society and politicians involved and engaged in this subject because I think it is very important that we actually get to a point where there is a mind shifter because the resources of this earth uh, is overdue. We, we have consumed and we have used them far too much. So, um, and what we're talking about now is not sort of something little has to change. It has to, to change all over. It has to be global. And it really has to be a mind shifter. And in order to do that, we are also in a time where we had to fight a lot of noise. We had to fight fake news, alternative facts. So how do we get through? And how do we not be the experts that no one wants to listen to? Mm -hmm. And I think if we look at science communication, when I started almost 20 years ago, then it was like science communication was one way. Uh, one was informing the results that came out from the academia. And one was informing them to the uneducated uh, sort of civil society. And this has shown to not work. Uh, the more you inform, it's not working. So we have to find another approach. And more and more over the last, I would say, 10, 10, the last 10 years, uh, one is more in this field working with engagement. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and not only in engaging in this I mean it goes as far as as engaging in the process of of the research in the scientific process uh, that one is having dialogues and briefings and and so on with different stakeholders that in some way might be affected or have an input in the uh, research uh, that the research project that is going on and I think this is uh, this is important if we really uh, have to change and to get to this uh, uh, state where we can create or that this mind shift is is happening so do you mean in a sense engaging different stakeholders in the form of citizen science 
as uh, an example, for example? Yeah, I think that citizen science is a little bit... Uh, um, it, for me, uh, often it is like citizen science is the answer to everything. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. This is just one part. It's wonderful, but it's been it, it it's been going on for hundred over hundred years. It's not nothing newer, like bird watching or something. I mean, and the Englishmen, uh, which are now probably leaving us. But anyhow, I mean, they had been doing citizen science for a very long time. Huh? Uh, so yes and no. I think it's more important to find ways how to engage uh, the people, different stakeholders outside academia and to to sort of get them I think it has never been more important than for than the sentence what's in it for me? People mm -hmm. have to understand why is this? Why do I have to change? What's in it for me? What what's what's gonna happen for for me? Why is it good for me? Why is it necessary? And the necessary, I don't think, has to come first, but what what do I get out of it? Mm -hmm. uh, so public engagement is a little bit broader, I think, than citizen science. Maybe some listeners don't know what citizen science is. Uh, could you explain this approach for us, please? Yeah, citizen science is, there are actually three forms of it, but it's, when uh, sign, the scientific uh, sort of academia um, take uh, like school classes or different uh, organization or just people in general to like uh, watching and counting stars or uh, different species and then they send in. I mean, it's a it's it's a win-win situation because it's often a lot of. Um, Uh, results that the scientific, the scientists could not sort of collect in themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, so that's you saw, uh, the collecting part. I think is the most uh, is the most uh, known. But then there are like others, which is more civil movement when there is like a part of a city that feel that the air is very polluted. We want to, to see how much pollution, pollution it is and then they measure and then they take the, the scientific community to help them to analyze and to get the right measure sort of equipment and so on. So there are different, but usually it's like collecting or observing. And, and I mean, there are millions of people involved in those. So they are very, very... Um, successful projects uh, like Galaxy Zoo or something really successful uh. mm -hmm. um, As a lay person what would be the difference between communication normal communication and science communication so when we talk about mm -hmm. science communication what are we really saying well I mean uh, first there is a field research uh, mm -hmm. it's a discipline in itself uh, mm -hmm. and It also has to do that the, the, the complexity uh, with uh, with research results. Uh, uh, to, there is a translation going on, uh, and sometimes one is talking about popularization or something, popular science. Uh, but it, the difference is that 
we are working together with with the scientists uh, and i mean it's also that is something that has to be done because if you have gotten money from uh tax money you should give something back to society mm-hmm. but of course they are they are closely closely connected uh, i mean commun- communication and science communication uh are going hand in hand in in many ways uh, but uh i think that when it comes to public engagement when it when it is much more to get involved mm-hmm. uh, and to engage uh, uh, than it's not really communication mm-hmm. so okay thanks um what are the most important questions uh when looking at bioeconomy from a systemic perspective for you uh <clears throat> I get back to the mind shifter mm-hmm. uh and it's not going to happen overnight so. but I mean it has to be a marriage between uh a grassroots movement uh, and also that the business side can see that there is some money to, in here mm-hmm. they they have to see that it benefits them uh. Um what exactly is system thinking and what does this approach mean with regard to bioeconomy that is all connected uh, i think that that you would mention in there i was working uh, as a coordinator of this uh, the planet project mm-hmm. um, and at that time people had not heard about it was very few who knew words like climate change global uh, ecosystem and i think it's the circular uh, economy that we need uh, and it's also that everything is connected uh, and i think that's a, a way t- that we have not been thinking before um now that you mentioned the the planet maybe tell us a little bit about it uh, was it a movie or a tv series it was a tv series okay. and it was a movie and then it was sort of an online mind map knowledge page so, um and at that time politicians and and also the newspapers and media the social media was not really uh, an issue at that time uh, uh never spoke about those those things uh, so those words would not not a common word like ecosystem people would not know what that mean, meant uh, and climate change uh, not really and since i worked very closely to scientists and we have some really famous in Sweden but there was also international scientists on the project uh, i really got to dig really deep and broad into the subject uh, and i think that's i also think that that's important to keep in mind that things do not happen overnight you have to be patient uh, uh there is baby steps <laughs> because if you think about that at that time there were no headlines there were no politicians talking about there were few scientists uh, talking about climate change uh. mm-hmm. so if people now don't know and are confused with this bioeconomy uh we should not let us st- that stop us we mm-hmm. just had to continue working because mm-hmm. there will be a change uh. Uh, but it takes time sometimes uh, uh, so one has to have faith and be patient 
When was the planet? Uh, it was 2007 or 2006 that we started the production. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not long ago, but when I look back what's happening <laughs> during those years, uh, and I mean, if I ask you, uh, 10 years ago, did you know what climate change was? Oh, I'd only heard a few things about it, but yeah, I wouldn't but say it's as prominent as it is right no, now. No, it was no sort of headlines exactly. in, in the media mm -hmm. and the top issue and yeah. uh, and so on. So, yeah, so it has really changed. Huh? And, um, yeah. But um, as a, I guess, an expert in science communication, if you were to explain bioeconomy to someone who's never heard of it before so like people never had of oh hadn't had a lot about climate change before if you had to explain what bioeconomy is to someone who has mm. never heard of it before how would you kind of summarize it a tricky question but i would mm, i would probably pick something uh that affects a lot of people uh, And if it, even if it's a young or an older person, I would take something that affects in the daily life uh, and something that everyone knows about. Uh. And coming from Sweden, I would probably take uh, the example of the, the production of clothes. And the, 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 I mean, we cannot consume clothes in the past in this speed that we are doing now and and also how we are producing them and in Sweden there is now starting uh, some and one quite famous collaboration between really famous because Sweden is also known has lately become known for fashion mm -hmm. we have like Filippa Koa who has his international known label and They are now in collaboration with researchers uh, trying to find ways how to use other materials and to recycle those to use recycled material materials and also look how the production line uh, how how it affects different parts in the production lines. So we're probably trying to to take an example that is easy to understand because it's something, in this case, that you're wearing every mm -hmm. day. Uh, yeah. uh, okay, that's a good way to, <laughs> to keep thinking, especially with regard to the Bloom Project mm -hmm. and its aims. Um, so what would you say are the biggest uh, potentials in terms of bioeconomy or in terms of science communication in bioeconomy? The potentials are are huge in that way that if uh, we... First of all, we have to spend money. Research and innovation, science and innovation costs, so we have to get the money because the only way is that we do more fundamental and applied uh, science. And some of it, when it comes to, to, to uh, fundamental science, it's It takes time before we get the impact or, or see what it's leading to. Uh. But um, for me, when I first heard about um, wood, since I'm from Sweden, we have a lot of wood. I think that the part of Sweden that is wood is as large 
as parts of Germany. I mean, we have a huge amount of woods uh, and and also we have the countries on both sides, Norway and Finland, who has wood. Uh, and when when I heard for the first time about using the wood uh, in um, in a, in a way that it became transparent, uh, it was like wow. Uh, Imagine that there is so much of this uh, uh, material that is that we can reuse and that we can sort of it's it's not something that we can end we can still plant new and then if if it's if it's transparent just imagine it for me it's sort of mind blowing if we're talking about potential what this could be used. Uh, it could be used for like windows, uh, solar panels. I saw solar panels up here uh, where we are uh, today recording. Uh, and I mean, just imagine if they were made out of a re- reusable source as uh, as wood is. Uh, uh, so I think that the potential is that we can find so many new ways uh, of using things that are naturally growing on the earth <clears throat> and to get them uh, to behave and to to sort of use them both in, 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 the, in the production line but also in the way that we're using them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I'm talking about we have to shift our minds and mind shift uh, because I, I, if you have asked me... Uh, a few years ago, and someone sort of said that wood can be transparent. Uh, we can use wood for that, uh, uh, or we can make clothes out of recycled blah blah blah. I mean, so there is a huge potential when we set 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 our minds to try to find those. And mm-hmm. I met one of the scientists uh, who's working with sort of. Uh, no, I'm not going into that. So that goes away okay. because that was the guy. It was super interesting. So I mean, there are so there is so many potentials in uh, in parts in all, almost all parts of the planet that we have never used before. Mm-hmm. We have used things that are going to end, mm-hmm. and we have overused them, and I mean. For me, it's also a question of equality because coming from Europe, uh, I haven't enjoyed quite a good life. Uh, and I mean, if we would, uh, uh, we cannot deny those parts of, of of the global system, those countries that is not as developed as we are, to to enjoy uh, the same. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's why there is no way we have to change. Uh. Mm-hmm. Um, and what would you say is the biggest challenge that needs to be taken into consideration? I think the biggest challenge is uh, to this mind mindset for people, but also that to make it, we have to upscale. Huh? So the, that the business part of society uh, also see that there's money to do in this. It's money to make in this uh, because they are not going to change. Uh, it's not attractive for them if they can't make money. We are. W- this is how it is. Uh, so I think this is 
so when it comes to civil society, one has we have to get through why this is important to change a lot of behavior, behaviors or behaviors, and but we also have to to get through to the the business uh, uh, part so that they find it attractive. And for this, we also need to find good and interesting and sustainable collaboration between different actors in the society, because it cannot happen just in one silo. Mm -hmm. It has to be really a collaboration between different actors. So uh, looking at maybe your experience in science communication could you think of maybe a a project or an activity that was really a a really interesting example that could maybe um, act as an example for bioeconomy and how people communicate bioeconomy so maybe even if it's not in the field of bioeconomy just um, how maybe you kind of communicated a particular subject Coming from Sweden, uh, I would say like Hans Rosling, he made an impact. And why was it successful? Because he was doing it in a way that people actually could understand what he was talking about. And he did, I also think that he did it in a way where people did not um, sort of, they did not think about that he was a scientist he was not the man in white uh, sort of coat in a lab. He was one of us uh, talking about things uh, that was interesting for all of us. Uh, and he was doing that this in in front of large audiences. Uh, uh, I would also, coming from Sweden, take another example, and that is Greta. Uh, and, I mean, so one person, one role model can actually sort of start a huge change. And I think those, to be really successful on a broad level, uh, this is what we, we need those rock stars uh, Mm. in scientists. The type of brand ambassadors. Yes, yes. I mean, because we have, this is, this is how it functions. And, but, we cannot rely only on those. I mean, we have to have all those other activities that, like myself, that I'm working with every day. Uh, but so those has to be because you were talking about a, a, what a huge success, and those are example of huge success and impact. Uh, but then, of course. Uh, there are impact that is much slower and that we don't see immediately. And that is, of course, how do we get it into the schools? Mm -hmm. How do we get young people in the classroom to to get interested in this? And I think we to succeed, we have to do that too. Um, But I think that mostly when it's a successful uh, science communication or public enga- public engagement activity, it has a feeling that it or it is a collaboration that people feel that they are part of something, that they have a saying, 
that they are not just there to listen and to get educated, but that they can sort of interact and also that they can be co-creation between uh, scientists and civil society. And I think this co-creation that we are collaborating or co-creating uh, is the key to success. Anna-Maria, we are coming close uh, to the end of the interview. Uh, what are your expectations for the future? I'm expecting a lot. Uh, and I'm expecting it from the young generation. And I've been talking about Greta. Uh, and they have... I've also been talking about this, this sort of marriage between a grassroots movement and of the political engagement and commitment. This has to happen. And I also think that it's very, we are in a very, very polarized society today. There are people, young people, who are very much engaged and are seeking for a more sustainable uh, lifestyle. And then those who are not aware or not even interested. And we had to breach that gap. But if this critical mass of young people, because I, I see so many young people who are engaged, and the more they get, then it gets to a grass movement and it becomes trendy. And I think we, it, this makes it possible to affect or to reach or to to awake some questions for those who are not interested today. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that we are going to see uh, a lot of new development of new biological material that we never ever thought about. And we're just going to say, sit down and say, wow, uh, why didn't we think about that before? Uh, to close the interview, is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, uh, I think that Bloom is an, uh, a really interesting project. Uh, and to succeed, uh, uh, I would once again put out the word mind shift and collaboration between uh, scientists, other actors, uh, uh, other stakeholders and we had to work with co-creation and we also had to work with uh, science commun- communicators intermediators uh, who sort of uh, are a link between all those uh, so uh, I wish you the best of luck it's a lovely project thank you thank you so much it was lovely talking to you <laughs> Dear listeners, thank you for listening. Stay tuned to the Bloom podcast for more interviews and talks with experts on bioeconomy-related topics. For more information on bioeconomy and the Bloom project, please visit our website www.bloom-bioeconomy.eu.